What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Engage 8 podcast. I'm your host, Zach, with my two co-hosts, Josh and Mike. And today we have a special guest joining us, Jackson. He's a Raiders fan. He's going to help us uh, go over Monday Night Football between the Raiders and the Lions. And happy Halloween. In this episode, we're going to be going over, obviously, Monday Night Football, some college football. We're going to dibble into the Harden trade a little bit, then the NFL trade deadline, and then preview week nine. You want to get us started with some Monday Night, Josh? Yes, I will. Uh, my Lions defeated the Raiders uh, in a game that the score doesn't tell the full story, but I'll go over a few things here. First, I'm going to start with the negative. There's a lot of positive, but I will start with the negative. Um, the mistakes, um, especially in the red zone, were bad for the Lions. And just honestly, on the Raiders' side of the field in general, they had to settle for five field goals, made four or five. Uh, Riley Patterson did end up shanking that last one. But uh, Craig Reynolds also fumbled at the three-yard line, I believe it was, on – a play that you couldn't really see if he was down. If we're being real, he probably was down, but Crossy made a great play and stripped that ball out. And then the golf pick six, of course, which is still up in the air what the intention was with that. It kind of looked like he was trying to throw it away. There wasn't – I mean, Amon Ra was cutting up field, and he kind of threw it like as if he was running a, a drag route, and it ended up being a pick six from Marcus Peters to the house. But that's outside of all that, the Lions played really, really well. This is the second most dominated yardage game of the year behind the Dolphins' 70-point win. 329-yard difference on offense between the Raiders and the Lions. The Lions had those two bad or three bad mistakes, I guess, that I said before. Um, but if they didn't have those, or at least scored on more than two or three of those five field goal attempts they had to take, uh, this game would have been an absolute blowout. Jameer Gibbs had his true breakout game this week. He was great last week, had a true breakout this week. He now has the third most yards for any Lion through six games just behind uh, Billy Sims and Barry Sanders, of course. And he out yardage the Raiders by himself with 189 to 157. Um, he was absolutely dominant in a game where the Lions didn't have uh, all three of their interior linemen uh, out. So that was a big problem for them, but it didn't seem to affect the run game whatsoever. Uh, Amon Ra now has the most receiving yards of a Lions player through 40 games, just past Calvin Johnson. And um, a lot of these young players are playing great. We'll touch on the trade deadline a little bit later. I'm pretty frustrated with that. But overall, they played really well last night. Should have won by more. Well, Raiders fans, message to you guys. It's time to panic. <laughs> it's it's over. McDaniels, he stinks. He blows, guys. He's got this team. It's a shit show, um, at least offensively. Defense, it, I can't complain too much. Uh, I could talk about that fumble a little bit, but... It was a fumble. That's all I got to say. Um, <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> it was. No one except um, for Craig Reynolds knows if he was down, if we're being real. The rip? That was a good rip. I it was don't a know. good play. It was a good, I it was it was a good, good rip. It was a good Crosby, play. Crosby scooped it up. Anyways, offense, Lions said, hey, guys, you could throw your daggers, throw your in rounds, Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, football, you know the deal. And Lions knew what was coming, and they said, throw the ball outside. And didn't happen because <laughs> Jimmy couldn't do it. <laughs> Jimmy can't do it. That that's the biggest thing. With the, if if the inside stuff isn't working with the Raiders, the outside stuff isn't gonna be there because Jimmy can't make the throw. <laughs> so I mean that's just and the Lions are just gonna play ball control football because they're the, the Raiders defense can't hold up forever, you know. And you know, kicking the field goals, I actually think that was smart on the part of the Lions. Um <laughs> Uh yeah, overall defensively, Raiders, you know, they got they got some, some little bang up 
little bang up here and there at the uh, linebacker. Got some backups in constantly. Uh, Peters went out mid-game. Uh, I mean, the defense, they're kind of just working with what they got. And it's just, let's see where it takes us. And it's not really taking us anywhere because offense can't put any points on the board. So that's where we're at in uh, Las Vegas there. Fire McDaniels. Uh, Mark Davis. Do it. <laughs> I completely agree with you. Uh, I just want to headline my little spiel with Max Crosby should definitely be top three in defensive player of the year. He is playing outside of his damn mind in both run defense and pass uh, rush. He's been absolutely phenomenal. So I just want to give him his flowers. The rest of the defense actually played pretty solid in the first half. They played a nice bend, don't break style of football, which I really am impressed with. And the Lions, they didn't have an answer for it, but they went into halftime. They started moving the ball a lot more. They got Jameer Gibbs a lot more involved. Like you mentioned, Josh, amazing day for him. He really has arrived. You can't really see him and Montgomery go back to their free Jameer Gibbs breakout to where Monty's getting like a majority of the carries and a lot of the goal line work. Jameer Gibbs, if you can mix him in like way more, that's going to be a really lethal backfield when they're both healthy. And back to the Raiders, Devonta Adams, I'm so sorry. Like if you didn't have... Like, whatever this quarterback situation is, like you mentioned, Jack, uh, it was just Jimmy can't make those outside throws, and you have to line him up on the inside. And they didn't, I feel like they didn't do that enough, especially with him only having one catch the entire game. And you're not going to win without getting your best player the ball. I am only the one time. The whole time. Whole time. Whole <laughs> <laughs> time. I'll give him the one drive, though. The, the last drive before half, before the Lions got the ball and drove down the field at the end, that drive was, I mean, that was the best Josh Jacobs has looked all season. That was phenomenal. Yeah, love to see it. And, yeah, and they have to start running the ball. Well, they really can't. That should be their strength. It's really disappointing that they just can't. Um, they are just abysmal. They only had 31 yards in the first half. Jimmy G only had 31 yards. He was three for eight. Uh, he now leads the NFL with nine interceptions. It's his first game back, and he missed a game. Still is the NFL leader in interceptions. Uh, the defense was just so gassed that you said they they tried their best, but they were they were just tired. Um, their offense is just abysmal. They can't get anything going. Uh, they haven't had success in the run game, which they should be, and they're currently last in rushing yards per game and rushing yards per carry, which just is really disappointing considering they have Josh Jacobs. I don't blame him. He's he seems to be half one foot in, one foot out now. He didn't care about the offensive struggles after the game, so just disappointing from that offense. Yeah, you said it best. I mean, I think the biggest story in this game was really just the Lions played football how they wanted to with ball control, and the defense was playing well enough where the Raiders' defense had to be on the the field the entire game. And there's nothing they really could have done. They seemed pretty gassed from maybe the second quarter on, and even when the Raiders had the ball and got that long drive to give the defense some rest, which was just as big as scoring the points in the half. Uh, then they go up and immediately give seven back to the Lions to go into half, which was kind of the the dagger almost uh, to a certain extent after that pick or before that pick six. Um, but yeah, the Lions defense they pitched a shutout in the second half, uh, which was huge. The only points given up was the extra point on that pick six from Marcus Peters. But the pass rush was getting to where it needed to be, especially late in the game, especially in the fourth quarter uh, when the Raiders were in four down territory everywhere. They finished with six sacks. Um, the Lions secondary, I will say. Played really, really well. Uh, Jerry Jacobs is back and has been playing well this season after the first three weeks, uh, which has been huge for this Lions team with a lot of injuries in the secondary. 
And as as a whole for the Lions, like you said, Zach, you absolutely cannot go back to where you were with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs early in the season. Um, uh, David Montgomery being hurt might be the best thing for the Lions uh, so far this season when it comes to getting Jameer Gibbs involved. You're probably still going to see mainly Monty uh, on first down. Second down, though, which was completely Monty up until uh, he got hurt, should be a lot of Jameer Gibbs, I would expect. I mean, he was very involved in the pass game. That first drive was where they had to settle for a field goal was all Gibbs, whether they were running it to him or just getting him on small curls five yards in or five yards in, 10 yards in. Um, he was phenomenal. And that was the that was really the biggest thing. Uh, if I'm going to talk a little bit of deadline stuff uh, and big picture for the Lions, you're sitting at six and two. There were definitely holes that you could have addressed in the uh, deadline, especially some pass rush depth and some secondary depth. Uh, they didn't address either one of those. They instead got Donovan Peoples-Jones, the receiver from Cleveland. Um, I don't personally understand that. When you're a team like the Lions who hasn't had much success over the past 30 seasons, you, you don't just gamble on the fact that you're going to be good going forward, especially when you have Jared Goff, who's going to be asking for a ton of money. I don't understand not going as all in as you can uh, and where you're very competitive in this NFC, which is wide open right now. But either way, they're six and two heading into the bye. We've said many times they don't have a tough schedule going forward outside of that week 17 game with the Cowboys. They still have to play five of their NFC North games in a division that is abysmal right now. And they'll probably finish the season with like four, maybe five losses at the most. They're going to lose some games they shouldn't lose. That's just how the league goes. But they're going to be in a good spot overall. It's just going to depend on can they win those games in the first and second and third round of the playoffs when they're playing against really good teams every week. You know, looking, I think going back to what you said, Josh, there's a reason that they took Gibbs in the first round. You know, I think he's he's going to get going. There's I I think he might, he's going to become their offense, I think, within the next Maybe. few years even. Maybe even towards the end of this year especially towards when the season gets toward towards the end, you know, I, I, I don't think the Lions passing game is too crazy personally. Um, I think Gibbs is going to get really, really involved. <laughs> really. In the, in the passing game, especially too. He will, he will. Be. Yeah. Yeah. In the past. Yeah. We saw him in, we see, even saw him in the slot a few times last night. Yeah. Which I I'm surprised they haven't done that more. That was Go beautiful. like five wide yeah. and let Laporta take one of the tackles and then Amon Ra and then, Gibbs in the, in each of the slots that'd be that's some scary stuff. Laporta was looking, great last night too. We didn't even mention Laporta. He had eight catches once again. Right, but I mean, looking forward at the Lions' schedule. Obviously, they've got the bye next week, but they've got the Chargers in LA, which is basically going to be a Detroit home game, and then two straight in Detroit against the Bears and Packers, which in theory should both be wins. But that bye week could be so clutch because they they got to get healthy. They got to get. Uh, Jamison Williams, some more reps with the first team. He he's not fully involved in the offense, I don't feel yet. So another week will really help get Mon get Monty uh back to full health, so we can really see that diversity in that backfield with like the thunder and lightning for uh, Monty and Gibbs. And then the rest of the schedule, like the really only two games I could see them losing would be on the road against the Saints and on the road against the Cowboys. So. The Lions have a very, like you mentioned, Josh, a very favorable schedule going forward. They could contend for number one seed in the NFC because, I mean, the Eagles and Cowboys got to play each other again, and that's happening this week. We'll get to that later. And then Niners and Seahawks. Exactly. Like, all the other, like, superpowers in the NFC, they've got tough roads ahead because of their inter-divisional uh, opponents. And with the Lions being in the shit show of the NFC North, things could get real easy for them really quickly. 
I will break some news that the Raiders won't be competing for the AFC uh, first place. Their next oh, two games. Wow. I, they're still alive. Somewhere. They're still alive. Their next I, two games are against the New York teams. So they have two record, winnable matchups there. Five record five? isn't telling of their, their skill. At no. All. No. <laughs> at all. They got the two New York teams, and then they got the Dolphins and the Chiefs right after those. So two winnable games, yeah, and then the two Chiefs not with winnable the Broncos. You never know. Yeah, but you have Josh McDaniels coach and the Raiders. He's just not good. He's blown six second half leads. I said it last week. Uh, he lost to Jeff Saturday. I don't know where you go. I don't yeah. know where you go either. What? You gotta, you gotta fire him. You gotta scrap together some pennies. Well, you, what, to even if you fire him, <laughs> what's what's gonna happen then? You know, Rich Bisaccia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is he still on the Packers, Bisaccia? I'd assume so. Yeah, I don't see Does why he, he would go team? anywhere. It makes sense that he'd still be there. Yeah, because yeah, they've been so successful in his two years there. <laughs> he is still on the Packers, yes. Yeah. I will that. say for the Raiders, though, if Jimmy G doesn't miss Devontae on those two deep balls, they are a thousand percent in the running to win that game. Whether Devontae could have had like 150 yards. Easily. And he <laughs> was pretty pissed way. off after the game. You could, you could see. He, he said everything without having to say anything after the game. I'll say that. No, Josh Jacobs said it best. And Josh there, Jacobs said everything. You're saying something about play calls, and Jacob's like, I don't know, this is my job. Yeah, that's fair. fair, I genuinely think, like, this team is – I think the defense loves the defensive coordinator, Patrick Graham, and I think the offense just hates McDaniels. I think they hate his guts. I don't blame them, too. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's tough. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where you go if you're the Raiders. You got – I would assume if it gets bad – um, you fire McDaniel's, but the Raiders are gonna find a way to win one of these two games against the New York teams. I'm picking them this week against the Giants. Um, Helen, there's a real window for them to win seven games and end up with the 12th pick, which will just ruin my my entire year. <laughs> yeah, a, I'm yeah. so mad. That, that's definitely that's definitely possible. I mean, they already got three. Uh, who who are their wins? Broncos, Pats, and who's the third? Packers, one? Packers, Packer, okay. Packers. I'm on a night football. Right, so they're beating the bad teams. Um, yeah. not the Bears. Been- <laughs> Different situation though. Even though I mean you want to say they didn't have Jimmy G, but Jimmy G was so bad last night that I don't even know if you can say that. But Aiden O'Connell, I, I think you gotta call his number. I really do. 100%. It's not preseason anymore. Can't start. I don't care. <laughs> I, the Chargers game in my like he, he turned the ball over, yeah. But I mean, look at Jimmy. Blue <laughs> Mac yeah. also had like an out-of-body experience that game. He had what six sacks? If he doesn't get that, I mean, maybe you guys score more than 20, and with the Chargers only getting 24. With the great field position if they had, Josh I mean, McDaniels, we score more than twenty. <laughs> yeah. It kind of seemed like McDaniel's was a little bit playing the blame game, and the pu- he the has been. He always does that. He has been yeah. since he's arrived. It's hard to when you get out yardage by three fifty or whatever I said it was three twenty nine. Yeah. But yeah, he was saying like it. It starts with the it starts with the quarterback or something. Like, I forgot exactly. What he, he did said. the same thing to AOC. Yeah, that's just it's unbelievable. I don't even listen to him anymore. Like. <laughs> I, I stopped listening to him like three months ago. Yeah, he's 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 a tough. It's the watch. same thing every time. Maybe, maybe you make a a push for old Harbaugh in the off season or something. And... We did that this oh. off season. But yeah, I want to well, see. Har- I want to get. I want him to bring in a defensive coach <laughs> and and then bring in some like scrappy offensive coordinator. That's what I want to see. Go get Ben Johnson. Maybe uh, he's a bear. I'm afraid we can't. We can't talk about that. <laughs> That's another reason why I'm a little bit upset with the Lions not making any moves at the deadline. Is this is the last year of Ben Johnson too? You have to capitalize on this year. I don't understand it at all. But 
I guess we'll just let the Niners get another pass rusher and let the Eagles get a, a strong safety. And Yeah. And the Niners were almost, they should have got a Dory Jackson, but they didn't turn in the trade on time. So really? Uh, yeah. Well, that, that I did see that. Yep. So there we do have, moves. we do have breaking news live on the pod from Adam Schefter himself. The week 10 Sunday night football game between the Jets yes. and the Raiders was not flexed out. Before oh, no. today's deadline, oh, so it's gonna this. be on November twelfth. Jets at Raiders on Sunday Night Football, yes, the sir. matchup we've all been waiting for. Yes, sir. That'll be interesting. I mean, and that's a brutal week. A tough, tough time. There. All I'm saying is, Rogers, he has been having an accelerated recovery rate. Oh. Is he back week twelve? <laughs> I don't think so. I hope. That's a magic man, we'll right there. Know. That's a magic man. You never know. <laughs> it is a magic man. Um, I'm not sure I have much else to say about this game except for the fact that the Raiders receiving stats. I don't know if you guys have looked at it, but it was just hilarious to look at. For- Those are oh, Jimmy's yeah. stats right there. Yeah. Those are Jimmy's stats. Jacoby Myers was the second leading receiver, one catch for 19 yards. <laughs> I think Jacobs might have been the leading. I don't, I don't Jacobs know. Jacobs had two for 27. Yeah. And then there were, hold on, one, two, three. There were four guys with exactly 19 yards. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> tough to win a game like that but if you can play like you said zach that ben don't break that kept him in the game um and then ben, that that was very bears like of years past just getting a defensive touchdown to bail out your shitty number 10 quarterback and hopefully marcus peters is uh okay i know he was dealing with some back stuff before right. and then tweaked it in the game i think they bears, said it was cramps they've been missing turnovers they've been missing all that so seeing that and against won. a good team i guess yeah, they won promising. it yeah but then Peters goes down. So yeah, that is <laughs> they it. forced the third least turnovers in the NFL right now. So and they lead the NFL, yeah. well, the thirty first in the NFL on offensive turnovers. So they turn the ball over and don't turn the ball over. On now defense. you're down both linebackers now too, right? We've been down, LBs. Been, yeah, been down. Diablo's yeah. out. Masterson went down. Say, yeah, he went down. He um, was playing all right too. He was, and he—he's one of those guys, you know. I—I I think he could be something, but he also has those bad plays where it's just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, as as line mid-level linebackers tend to do. It's really easy to see yeah. when a linebacker gets exposed. That's part part of the the territory that comes with the position. But do we have anything else on this game before we move on here? No, all good. All right. Any 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 last words here, Jack? Nah, I'm all good. I got it all out. Fire McDaniels. Fire McDaniels. Yeah, Fire McDaniels. Uh, Jack will be on the pod at some point, probably uh, towards the end of the NFL season when we start having guests on regularly for full level or full length podcasts. Uh, but until then, you see us out on the screen. Go hit him with a follow, and uh, thanks for joining us, Arv. All right, so we'll move on to a little bit of NBA talk here, real quick. Uh, in the dawn of the night, James Harden was finally traded to the Los Angeles Clippers uh, with P.J. Tucker uh, for Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, uh, the 2026 uh, Clippers first-round pick via OKC, uh, 2028 Clippers first-round pick of their own, two second-round picks, and a pick swap. Uh, so the Clippers finally get Harden after this whole offseason of drama between Harden and the Sixers and Daryl Morey. Um, personally, this doesn't move me at all. Um, the one thing I, I do want to say though, is the 
NBA West Pacific Division the best division in sports right now? I think it is one thousand percent. I mean, I gotta. Yeah, I don't Sun, know NBA the division. Suns, the Lakers, the Clippers with their big three now, the Kings and the Warriors. That, I mean, that's probably mm-hmm. five out of the top six or seven West teams are from the same division. Um. You probably don't see it seed out like that, considering they all have to play each other four times now this season. But that's going to be a crazy division. Personally, though, the way I see it with this trade is you have Kawhi and PG, two guys who have not been able to stay healthy, especially in the playoffs. And then you got a guy in James Harden who, when he wants to play, he's good, but he doesn't always want to play basketball. So I think this will be very interesting to see. Personally, I think that the PJ Tucker edition for the Clippers is maybe the biggest part of this trade. I mean, obviously outside of Harden, uh, PJ Tucker is just a winning player. He's a good defender. He sits in the corner. He won't take any shots if you don't want him to. And he'll go out there and defend the best player on the other team every night. So I think he is a great get for the Clippers. If these guys can all stay healthy, the Clippers can be one of the best teams in the West. I don't know if I see that happening though. And if they get to a point where they have a team led by James Harden and Russell Westbrook, I don't think they want to see that again. I mean, I did have the Clippers as my, I think, my three seed in my predictions a couple episodes ago. So, obviously, I'm kind of thrilled to see this because they got two really good pieces in Harden and P.J. Tucker. But I think it'll be really interesting to see how their rotations are because you can have combinations of Harden and Kawhi and then Westbrook and Paul George, if you want, just, like, staggering their minutes and all that. I I don't think Harden and Westbrook are going to fit that well together. I mean they didn't fit that well together in Houston because they're both ball dominant guards. But if you stagger their minutes, then you can have some really good bench units with Russell Westbrook and his ability to pass James Harden, his ability to score and pass at times. And then obviously Kawhi and Paul George, when they're healthy, their defensive, uh, uh, what they bring defensively to the table is really solid as well. And I know you mentioned earlier, Josh, that if they're healthy, they're going to be great, but I think even if they're not healthy, they're still going to be great because even if they don't have all four of those really good players, they'll still roll out probably at least two every night, and that's still going to be a really good duo, regardless of which two out of the four you pick. I think my Harden biggest question is going to – I mean, you let one run with the bench unit and one run with the starters, yeah, or just yeah, yeah. you stagger those minutes, that's going to be really good. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to like run with a healthy Suns team as well, but – I think the depth doesn't necessarily have to be there with all of these very capable players within your starting lineup. So I don't know exactly how the West is going to shake out. I don't think anybody can really predict that, but I do think the Clippers are still when they're healthy, a top three team, if they can make the playoffs and keep at least three out of the, their big four healthy, I think they have a chance to make like the Western conference finals, maybe just on star power alone. Yeah. I feel like we say that every year though. Um, I saw someone saying that there's an NBA fan has two favorite days. It's the day your team trades for James Harden, James Harden, and the day your team trades James Harden away. So, yeah. Uh, how is PJ Tucker going to bring all of his shoes to LA? That's a long flight, and he has a ridiculous amount of shoes. That's something they got to consider. It might take a couple of days. But the 76ers finally are able to get rid of the cloud over him, which was James Harden. They're able to fully focus on Embiid and Maxi, becoming a big duo. Tobias Harris will get the ball more now. And the Clippers are able to get this trade done without getting rid of Terrence Mann, which I think was big for them. I think they wanted to keep him. Uh, they want to use him in their future. And Harden got his wish to go to L.A. to play with Westbrook and them. He's already done it before. But 
we'll see if it has a different outcome this time. Uh, doesn't really move me. I don't know. I, I, he's obviously past his prime, but it'll be interesting to see how the West shakes out because I have no clue. I don't know how these guys are going to play together, but they're great players individually. I don't know if they can do it together. Yeah, like you said, we say this every single year that they're a top three team in the West if they're healthy, and the problem is they're just never healthy. Um, I still believe that this team doesn't have enough to win it all if they lose one of Paul George or Kawhi. I don't think that uh, – Let's say it's Paul George with uh, Harden and Westbrook. I I don't see that being a, a championship winning team. I will say, though, this is one of the deepest teams in the NBA for sure. They have been that uh, over the past, this whole era of Kawhi and PG. The problem is that they just can't stay healthy. And it's, it seems like maybe at times their love isn't always basketball, especially Kawhi, and we know that with James Harden. Um, we'll see on the other side for the Sixers how it works. They get a ton of draft picks, which is huge for them. Uh, especially after how many they've had to uh, trade away in the past few years. And I love Maxi. I think he is still a phenomenal two, uh, second option on offense. And he's one of the most dynamic young guards in the game right now. Uh, they bring back kind of a bunch of bums, if we're being real, as far as the player uh, return in that trade. Though These are <laughs> probably all the players on the Clippers that they – didn't need in their deep rotation. Robert Covington's cool from time to time. Marcus Morris is good once uh, a solar eclipse or something. <laughs> and uh, we'll see if Batum is in in the fourth quarter for the for the Sixers. But <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> but overall, um, overall, um, I got not much uh, left to say about this. We'll see how it plays out for the Clippers. But I guess if everybody stays healthy, I guess they could win it all. But We'll it, it's definitely going to be interesting, but I didn't touch on the 76ers on this at all. But like you mentioned, Morris, Covington, Batum, they're all like versatile three and D wings for the most part. At least Covington is for sure. It's going to be interesting with uh, Paul George and Kawhi to see how that all shakes out. But like we mentioned before, if they're not healthy, they do have guys who can go and play defense, especially off the bench. So, but wait, hold on. I mixed that up. The 76ers got those guys. I all right. I, I got screwed up. Those, but those are all those uh, bottom feeder clipper players on that. Right. Team. That they move right, right. But I mean, putting those guys with Maxi and Embiid, I think that's not a terrible fit. But I mean, they're not gonna be like superstars they are gonna go and get you 20 a night. So I guess if they're looking for depth, they got a little bit of it. And they got some picks too. So yeah, good for them. They got some depth with those bottom feeders, but those bottom feeders are making a lot of money. Luckily for the 76ers, the only reason the trade was done because they're expiring contracts. Uh, Marcus Morris, 17 million, Covington, 11 million, and Batum, 11 million. Uh, that's a lot of money, but that's going to set up Philadelphia for an offseason, possibly, where they can make a trade for a big superstar or sign a big superstar. That'll be interesting to see in the offseason. They're going to have to hope Maxi and Embiid can get it done this year, but. It doesn't look as likely. It'll be a good regular season team, but interesting to see. I think Embiid is sitting out in his, his first rest game today, so third game into the season. He was, for a minute, it looked like he was going to sit out the home opener, but yeah, I, I don't know how we're we're back to doing this already. This early. I mean, Jimmy Butler already sat a rest game. I thought we put rules in place. They just put in rules, too. I don't know how they're getting around this. We'll but... see. Hopefully we get... Giant find for those teams. And that's another reason why no one will ever get to LeBron's point record. 
I don't even think anyone will ever get close because the wrestling is just ridiculous. Maybe Mikhail Bridges. He plays 83 games a year. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to get traded one. deadline this year, he's too. one of the good ones, man. He's one of the good ones. Maybe yeah. he'll play 84 if he gets traded to the right situation. Yeah, and he has been in the playoffs, what, four times now? Four times. Three, four times. That's now. crazy. He really is just a – he's a unit. He is. Not, not many like him no more, but if we're ready, I think we can move on to college football here. Yeah, um, some of the quick college football games. North Carolina loses again to Georgia Tech. Disappointing. Uh, they're really showing their true colors. They lost to Georgia Tech 46-42, to so their offense played fine. Their defense didn't. Uh, Washington struggled again. Michael Penix played great this time, though. 369 yards, four touchdowns. They were able to hold on against Stanford 42-33. to And then USC-California. This game was electric 50-49. to USC struggled again for the third game in a row, and their defense is just terrible. They're not going to make a playoff. We already talked about that. But uh, on to the bigger games of the week. Uh, ranked game, Duke-Louisville. Uh, another game for Duke to bounce back, but Louisville destroyed them really, 23 nothing. Riley Leonard banged up still, couldn't get anything going. Uh, just 9 for 23, 120 yards and a pick. The Duke couldn't run the ball either. They really couldn't do anything on offense. And uh, shout-out Jeff Brown. I'm angry that he left Purdue, but... He's really turned this Louisville program around quick. They got Jack Plummer at QB. He's playing all right. But Jawar Jordan has been just dominating in the run game again. He had 163 yards and two touchdowns. Um, this Louisville team is just, they're underrated, I guess. I, I hate to hype up the rival of Louisville, but you cannot say enough about Brome and Plummer coming into this program and turning it around in one season. Uh, Louisville has been pretty bad in the post-Lamar Jackson era. Uh, they have been dominated, especially by their rival, Kentucky. But, uh, yeah, I, there's not much you can say uh, to criticize this team. Being, sitting at, what are they at now, 6-1, and 7-1? and 7-1, I think. Set, I mean, 7-1 and one in your first year. It's so, so, so difficult in college sports in general, but in college football to come in with a first-year uh, uh, head coach on a new team and a first-year quarterback on a new team and just go in there and – win a lot of games against a lot of good teams. Um, and they had that one loss at Pitt, a game they shouldn't have lost. But, man, they're sitting at 8-0 if they don't lose that game. And playoff rankings come out today, but that's crazy. Yeah, yeah very impressive. Uh, next game was the big shock of the week, Oklahoma playoff contender upset by Kansas 38-33. to This really, I think at this point, this next – possibly Oklahoma just out of the playoffs and probably the Big 12 as a whole. Even if the Big 12 champ wins, they're going to need a loss from one of the top four, top five teams, top more than top five. The Pac-12 is ahead of them too. But um, Jalen Daniels is hurt. Uh, Jason Bean steps in and plays incredible. Their run game was dominant. Devin Neal had 112 yards on the ground, and Jason Bean looked like a track star on his 38-yard touchdown run. Daniel Hyshaw, 51 yards. He had two touchdowns. Oklahoma, they couldn't get anything going in the past game with Dylan Gabriel, but they were able to run the ball very well. 146 rushing yards from Walker. This is Kansas' first win over Oklahoma since 1997, and this is their first top 10 win since 2008. Uh, big win for the Jayhawks. Lance Leopold continues to turn this team around. They stormed the field. They brought the goalpost to the lake somewhere and threw them in, so Always nice to see that. 
It's their first regular season home win versus a top 10 team since 1984. So I think you deserve to rush the field at that point. Yeah, am I uh am I seeing this with the rankings already out? Yeah. Okay, so Ohio State number one. Wow. And well deserved in my I'm opinion. Just looking at this now. Okay. I see the path for Texas. I see the path for Texas. You gotta have Ohio State and Michigan are gonna play. Only one of those teams is gonna go to the Big Ten uh championship. In the event Ohio State beats them, with all the drama going on, we know it, college sports are a political game. There's no way Michigan gets in. No, no way Michigan. I think whoever loses that game, I don't think there's a chance they get in. Probably not. Ohio State, maybe. If something's fall their way, Michigan, no chance. Um, Georgia still is going to have to play LSU, probably. Or Bama, I guess. We'll see what happens with them, uh, who they play. If They they are probably going to win and, and take that number one spot or number two spot. Um, Florida State, untouched still. Um, they'll probably stay untouched. I bet they stay undefeated. Uh get in Washington and Oregon are going to have to play. Uh, if Washington wins that game, they're definitely in. So Oregon will be out. And then that leaves the, I think that leaves the path for Texas. They actually, no, I don't know. That would, that would put them at five. Yeah. They might, they're They might be needing that Georgia loss. Yeah. And they're still missing Quinn Ewers right now. So yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I think they're going to need that Georgia loss probably still, but at the same time, if it's Bama and then Bama beats Georgia, does Bama mm-hmm. slip in? I don't know. Yeah, Bama. it'll be interesting if Bama can slip in over Texas. I don't know. This is the conversation we always have when the rankings first drop, though, and it's like, oh, if so-and-so li- yeah. all, something's always going to happen and mess that up. But, yeah, you might be right. It might be it for the pack, or for the Big 12 after that Oklahoma loss. Yeah, it's going to it's gonna be very interesting to see how the season wraps up. Oregon State, who we've been talking great about, they've had a couple big wins. They go up against Arizona, and the Pac-12 continues to eat itself alive. They upset them. Uh, DJ played all right, 218 yards, two touchdowns. They really couldn't get too much going, though. And Noah Fafita, who we've talked about against USC especially, he had a great game. He's been great all year. Uh, he had 275 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. He played great. Arizona's going to make a bowl game this year, and the Pac-12 continues to, in my opinion, be the best conference. They're good. Arizona's good, man. Um yeah, I do want to just touch back on USC and North Carolina, which you mentioned before. Uh, both of those schools are falling into the the situation in college sports where you're on a hot streak, you lose one game, and then you see that you have a bunch of 21- and 22-year-olds who start to lose a little bit of confidence and you see a slide. We've seen that from both of those teams so far, and you hate to see it because those were two teams who were probably competing for a playoff spot. Yeah, we saw that from Miami, too. After they had the disastrous loss, they Mm -hmm. really started sliding. And then the last game of the week. for Florida State to just dominate. Yeah, just going to look like an easy path through the ACC for Florida State at this point. Yeah, Louisville, that's going to be a big game if that's the championship. Uh, Clemson's 4-4 now, so they're out of it. Uh, Crazy that they're out of it, but. That's what happens when you don't care about the NIL at all in mm-hmm. the year of 2023. Uh, last game of the week was the game of the week. Uh, really didn't look like it. It was a domination, another Pac-12 game where they continue to eat themselves alive. But Oregon is really, that's them in Washington. Uh, one week after the Utah game where they beat USC, big win. They get a home game and they just put up a dud. They were absolutely dominated. Uh, 30-year-old Bo Nix had 248 yards and two touchdowns. He absolutely dominated Bucky Irving on the ground, 83 yards and a touchdown. 
And then the Oregon defense, they didn't let Bucky Barnes do anything. Big win for Oregon, and that's a Pac-12 championship. That's going to be very big. I love, I love Buck Irving, man. I love him. He's fun to watch. This Oregon team is fun to watch. They probably should have beat Washington. They should be the team sitting at 8-0 in the five spot in this college football playoff. Uh, We'll see how it goes. I think they probably beat them if they play them again, but that's going to be just a phenomenal game. I cannot wait to see that. And as we come down the stretch here in college football, I'm just I'm excited to see how it plays out. I got to mention Kentucky and Tennessee, though. Um, it was a good game throughout. Tennessee has really owned Kentucky for uh, a little while now in, in football, not at all in basketball, but in football. Evan Leary had his best game uh, as a Wildcat, 372 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He played well. Joe Milton did not play super well, but ten- Tennessee just ran all over Kentucky, 253 yards on the ground in nearly 50 carries. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a really good game as they tend to be, but Kentucky loses another tough one at home to Tennessee and you hate to see it. Yeah, that's, that's what Tennessee does at this point. That's what Kentucky wanted to do was really run the ball and Tennessee just had the better day running the ball and it got them the victory. Uh, Jalen Wright had the great game, 120 yards. So good for them. And then like Josh touched on the college football playoff, Ohio state's number one. They played the toughest schedule out of these teams. Uh, they're undefeated. I think it's deserved. Georgia's two, Michigan's three. They've played nobody. They're also cheating. It uh, looks like they had a guy week one on Central Michigan sideline watching Michigan State, which is I think absurd. I, I think that might be confirmed false, though. It's uh, not confirmed I, false. I thought I saw some stuff about it being Central false. Michigan. Central Michigan's investigating. So I don't know. Shady stuff going on over in Ann Arbor. And uh, Florida State at four, they're undefeated, deserved. And then five, six, Washington, Oregon. Uh, shows how much the, they're really respecting the Pac-12. I think Washington could be in it, but 18, at five and six, it's very close. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I feel like I tend to have my qualms with the college football playoff rankings, especially early on week one. I don't think I have a single issue with at least the top group here, one through six. Um, Maybe. Maybe Michigan over Georgia, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia's had a tougher schedule. I think they're really taking that into account this year. They're putting the teams with the tougher schedules ahead. They both had pretty trash schedules, though. Yeah. But I mean, Georgia's been tough. Texas is above Alabama, though, now that I see it. So I, mean, I want to say if that gives them the lineup. Two one loss teams, Texas has that to head. It would kind of be, it would be interesting to see, though, if that's the. Texas also above local Oklahoma. Yeah. Who they beat, and they both have one loss. I'm trying to think of anything else to touch on here. Penn State maybe a little low, seven and one. Um, yeah, considering rough. As, bo- as boring as that game was with Ohio State, they were in it. Yeah, they didn't look great this week, but they got the win. Over thirteen. Yeah. I don't have any problems with that. Uh, LSU, after all the struggles that they had, they're sitting at two losses. They're at fourteen. Um, shout out Air Force, man. Eight and yeah, zero in the Force. college football <laughs> playoff. Good what for them. JMU, where's JMU at? I know JMU should JMU be on here. The Dukes. Can they even be in this? In... Oh, I don't know. Are they? they uh... Might not be able to be in it. I know they can't play in a bowl game, which is fucking. Ridiculous. Oh, then they can't be in it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, man. But yeah, the Dukes are undefeated, though. They are. No, right? me either. That that might be one of the dumbest rules in sports is the moving up uh levels and uh conferences and uh, it's and the worst in basketball, man. 
it's the worst in basketball. Where you can win your conference, get the automatic bid, and not get in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and a team that gets second gets in. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that in March, though. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be bitching about that in a few months. But, <laughs> but uh, that's all I got on the college football playoff rankings. I'm sure at some point in, in these in these rankings, I'll have some issues. But as of right now, I, I kind of think they got it right. Yeah. Ready to talk some trade deadline? Yeah. Um, I don't have it in front of me. Anybody have the, the trades in front of them? I have. I, have I actually do. I uh, think I've got them all. So I could kick it off with the Bills and Packers. Their deal was the Bills were acquiring Razul Douglas in a 2024 fifth-round pick for the – and they traded the Packers their 2024 third-round pick. You, Am I, I just you, going – You can just list I just them go through them. Right. You want to just list them off and then we'll – Yeah, I'll just list them off. All right, cool. And then next we got the Lions getting Donovan Peoples-Jones, legendary name, for a 2025 sixth-round pick. And then the big one of the day, the 49ers getting Chase Young for only a 2024 third-rounder. And then I keep track with me here. There's a lot of cities. The Jacksonville Jaguars acquire guard Ezra Cleveland and the Vikings from Minnesota – acquire a 2024 sixth round pick and then another big one that honestly is very franchise altering in my opinion the vikings got josh dobbs and a 2024 seventh and the cardinals got a 2024 sixth round pick and then i believe it was the first trade of the day the bears acquired edge monta sweat for a second round pick from the washington commanders i think that oh no there's um, the no. leonard williams one Right, and then Seahawks got uh, Leonard Williams for a 2024 second and a 2025 fifth round pick. Byard. And then last week there was Kevin Byard for Terrell Edmonds, a 24 fifth and a 24 sixth. Yeah, I and mean, that is, that's it. Yeah, the Chase Young thing, man, is uh, pretty tough to watch. Uh, the Niners just consistently getting everybody that's on the block for low prices i can't imagine that a lot of these teams especially the lions couldn't offer a third round pick for a position of need and a young player that blows my mind um and the niners just continue to get better have the best maybe one of the best defensive line rotations to ever touch a football field um it's absolutely insane uh i can't say the niners needed this at all but that's what good teams do. They just get good players. But I mean, I think my not my main concern. I think other teams' main concerns was the health of Chase Young, especially in comparison to Montez Sweat, because he was also dealed for what seems to be a or dealt for what seems to be a higher overall pick. Uh Montez Sweat has only missed like seven or eight games, and it was for like a broken jaw a couple years back. And Chase Young, he's had issues with his knee. and But right now, he's playing probably the best football he's ever played in his career. So I think a third-round pick is fair, given the injury history. But, yeah, Niners, they got scary. Real scary. Do we know how the comp picks were? Like, if the Bears don't re-sign Montez Sweat, do they just get a second-round pick? No. I think they get like, a third-round so pick. The, the highest comp pick that you can get for, like, uh, players or even GMs I think it's a third round pick and that's how players are graded. It's like you get a comp third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh. So I think the bears got like a comp fourth or a fifth last year for Monty, but it didn't come from the lions or anything. It was just given. Yeah. To yeah, them. I know. yeah. I know that I was just, 
I don't know. I, I, I guess if you're going to resign him, it makes sense. But I, I don't really see, I don't see the reasoning for this trade if you don't resign him at all, right? I mean, Montez Sweat, yeah. Right, Montez Sweat, yeah, I don't get that. But I think they would probably get like a fourth in return if they let him go. But according to, I think it was Rappaport earlier today, he was saying that the Bears are working on getting an extension done. And along with that, that Jalen Johnson, too. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) God, I hope they do. I really do. You don't let your good players go. The good teams, they retain their homegrown talent, and the Bears just don't seem to want to do that. No. Um, In terms of Montez Sweat, I don't know why you would make that trade if you didn't already have a deal lined up for him. That doesn't really make sense to me because you're trading a borderline first-round pick just like you did for Claypool last year, and you don't have a deal in place. I don't really get that. And at the time, they were still shopping Jalen Johnson, it appears. So you're trying to bring in a D-line piece, but get rid of your top cornerback piece. Uh, for them, I hope they are able to sign both of them. Uh, it sounds like Jalen Johnson doesn't want to re-sign, which is interesting. But, yeah. Yeah, overall, pretty a pretty underwhelming deadline. Um, I touched on the Lions and how I feel about them before in the Monday Night Football part, so I'm not going to touch on them anymore. I just... I, I just I just think that if you're a contending team, you have to make moves. And you saw it with the Seahawks, you saw it with the Niners, you saw it with the Eagles. All of these top teams in the NFC uh, made moves for positions of need. You saw in the AFC as well. You see the Jags go get Ezra, Ezra Cleveland. I think that's a big get for them. Uh, the Bills go get Russell, Russell Douglas, another big get for them. They badly needed a, a corner. And I'm sure we'll touch on a lot of these when we discuss the teams here in a little bit, but... I don't got much else to say about yeah, that. Chiefs went and got Meekle Hardman. Yeah. Ah, right. That was last week, too. And the Lions got Donovan Peoples Donovan yeah, Peoples Jones, baby. Yeah, <laughs> moving the needle. Out of boy, Brad. But I don't know. Brad Holmes might be a little bit a little bit scared to make trades sometimes. Uh, he's been great at the draft, so I don't want to harp on him too much. Uh, but this just kind of seems like a unexplainable uh, no, no move. And, unless. For some reason, I guess if the uh, I almost said the Redskins, if the Commanders just didn't want to trade with the Lions, but I don't see how that's possible. If you if you trade to the Forty Niners, I, I think know. we would have heard reports of uh, Washington just like outright not wanting to trade with teams. Yeah, and but like you said, given that they gave him to San Fran, I mean, I don't think that's the case. Maybe Brad just didn't get on the phone. Yeah, there was reported interest though, which is like, I mean, that's. Uh, it is what it is with reported interest, but I I mean a, a late third round pick, basically a fourth round pick. I would have loved if the Bears traded their second for Chase Young just because of age and potential, but I I do think a second for Sweat is a little bit of an overpay, not just a little bit. It is an overpay, but he's he's got stability. He doesn't have the crazy injury history that Chase Young does, and he's easily your best D lineman on the team at least pass rushing wise and probably run defending wise too. Cause he's not a too bad run he's, defending wise. He's definitely he's a very not good a run bad. Defender. He's a very good. Yeah, exactly. He's a fantastic run defender. So it's definitely a move. That's kind of like last year with the Claypool trade. He was looking ahead because the upcoming like defensive end free agency class isn't like phenomenal along with the draft class. I mean, yeah, you got guys like Jared verse and Dallas Turner up at the top, but outside of that, who's like the, there's not a lot of superstars, especially in that second round area that you can go out and get. So, I mean, I, I understand the idea. I just don't know if you're going to get that same value. 
if they, they I mean, had if a they chance to sign Sweat, it makes sense to me. Way more sense. Oh, I, I would love if they re sign him tomorrow. I think that's the best idea. And the then the trade made no sense from the jump. I kind of, I kind of. We talk about that trade so much on here. Yeah, I know. I, I, <laughs> I still understand what he was trying to do. I mean, the free agency so class no. for receivers <laughs> was, was iffy at best. And Claypool, he's a, he had all the physical traits to be a solid weapon for Fields. It just didn't work out. It's the second year in a row where Ryan Poles really kind of just ignored their team's weakness in the offseason, didn't really touch on it, and then waits till the trade deadline to trade a second-round pick for it. So I think that's just a – you got to address these things in the offseason first, at least try to. And I also think that this, this move, the McCaskies and Kevin Warren wouldn't let Poles make this move if he wasn't going to be the GM beyond this year. So I, I think Poles' job, I think it's pretty much safe, given what I've seen today. But Flus and the rest of the staff, y'all got to go. It's Give them the boot. Get them out of here. Still not what I want to hear if I'm a Bears fan. Yeah, we'll touch on the Bears a little bit later, though, when we get to their <laughs> game. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more big picture and polls and whatnot. But if you guys are ready, we can start chugging along at week nine. Oof, nine. Yeah. How many buys we got this week? Four. We have four. four I can read them off if we need them. Uh, I got them. You can read them off if you want. Uh, All right. Uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, San Francisco 49ers, Detroit Lions, and the Denver Broncos are all on a bye this week. A couple teams in the Lions and the Niners who definitely need a bye. And then teams like the Jags and the Broncos who are getting pretty hot, especially the Jags, who may get a little bit of a cool off here. But we'll see how that goes. Thursday night football uh, coming up, though in two nights from tonight titans at steelers uh will levis and this titans offense is coming off their best game of the season uh last week beating a great falcons de- uh defense um levis played really really well against that great uh defense but if we're being real here this steelers defense is a whole nother animal kenny pickett is probably going to play in this game it looks like playing hurt again like he has been much of this season um I think it's a usual game script for the Titans. I think you have to get up early to win so you can run Derrick Henry. The problem is I don't know if they're going to be able to get up early against a great Steelers defense. Thursday night in the Berg, the terrible towers, towels will be flying. Uh, as much as I love Will Levis, I think this is a pretty tough environment for him to go into. I will be rooting for him, but as far as my picks, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I've got this, the Steelers for the same reasons as you. The Steelers' defense, they're way better than whatever the hell they were playing last week. D-Hop is – I love D-Hop, but he's definitely not going off for three touchdowns again this week. I think Levis, if he does get the start, because I don't know why, I think I heard or read a rumor that they were going to see and see where Tannehill was at, but I don't know how true that was. But regardless, I still think that's bullshit. They should definitely start Levis. Uh, we say it every week. If the Titans can somehow get up early and keep Derrick Henry involved in the game plan, they will always have a chance like they did last week. But I don't think they will. Steelers' defense is way too good. I got Pittsburgh. Yeah, maybe I should pick – you guys both picked against Tennessee last week and I picked with them. Maybe I should do it again. But uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers, I think. Will Levis obviously had one of the best debuts we've seen from a quarterback in recent memory uh, Yeah, last week. He's only one of three quarterbacks to throw for four touchdown passes in his first career start. Um, he sh- showed in one start that he should be the quarterback for the rest of the season, not a doubt. Um, if he can play just kind of how he did last week, they they could find themselves fighting for a wild card spot, possibly in the AFC. 
And this team will go as far as Will Levis can take them at, at that point. Their defense will find ways to make plays. Uh, Vrabel always has his defense perform better than they look. But Mike Tomlin hasn't lost to Mike Vrabel, and they've won five straight primetime games. Their big key this week, again, I feel like, is to get the ball to George Pickens. They're 4-0 when they get him 75 yards, and they're 0-3 when they don't. They didn't do it last week, so they got the loss. Uh, and their defense, we touched on it, TJ Watt, their defense is great. They're going to make plays, and they're going to have Will Levis scramble a little bit. The Titans don't have the greatest offensive line. Uh, I think the Steelers are the better team. Can Matt Canada do something against this Titans defense will be the main thing to watch. But I think the Steelers are going to have enough to get it done. I think their defense is going to play great. Will Levis won't look as good as he did last week. But it'll be interesting to see. I got the Steelers winning it. All right. Moving on here to the first Germany game of the season, Dolphins at Chiefs. Uh, I love that the early game is back. I like being able to wake up on a Sunday morning, have my coffee, and and watch a good football game. And we are definitely going to get that this Sunday. The Dolphins' only losses right now are to the two best teams they played. Um, so I think that says something about them really badly needing a win versus a good team. The Chiefs' offense has been up and down uh, so far. And we'll see how they uh, come to play against the Dolphins' defense that has also been up and down. They get Jalen Ramsey back last week. He has the pick. Uh, pick field goal, as Mike McDaniel called it. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how the Chiefs' defense plays against this really good offense. Uh, the only good offenses offenses that they've played so far are the Lions, which they held the twenty one points, and the Chargers, which they held the seventeen points. Uh, I believe Bolton was playing in both. Actually, no, I don't think Bolton was playing in the Chargers game. I I don't or no, he got hurt in that game, didn't he? He got hurt in that game, so he played in most of it. Uh, I think both these teams have something to prove. I think it should be a good game. Uh. Overall, though, it's tough. I went back and forth on this one. I'm going to lean Miami Dolphins, though. This one's definitely going to be a really good one. Uh, this is going to be a huge game for playoff seeding come uh, January. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on after it's all said and done. But this, you could not have picked a better game to wake up and watch Sunday morning. This is going to be a phenomenal matchup. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring. I think the Kansas City defense is going to be able to not necessarily keep Miami in check, but they're definitely going to limit them from scoring 70 like another AFC West opponent uh, let them do. Miami, this is their second game with Jalen Ramsey. He's still kind of developing that chemistry and getting that that feel for the secondary that he's in again. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. I also have Miami winning. I think the uh, I, I don't think Taylor Swift is going to be there. So I think that will hinder Kansas City a little bit. But in general, I think Miami, they've been a lot more consistent offensively compared to the Chiefs, who surprisingly have been kind of up and down at times this year. So I kind of just trust Miami's offense a little bit better, and I think they're going to put up a decent amount of points on the Chiefs and definitely more than the Chiefs' offense is going to put up on Miami's defense. So I got Miami. Yeah, you guys also haven't mentioned it, though, but this is a Tyree kill revenge game going against yeah, the Chiefs. True. First game. Uh He's looking to take a block. He's trying to block Chris Jones, I guess. That'll be interesting to see if he gets that shot. Uh, he has 1,014 yards so far in the season in just eight weeks. He's the first player to get to that mark in a Super Bowl era. Um, he's on pace for 2,154 yards, which has never been done before. It's uh, ridiculous. Uh, but the Chiefs defense has played very well this year. They've only allowed 15 points per game, 176 receiving yards per game. And they have 28 sacks, which is second in the NFL right now. 
Um, I want to pick the Dolphins with the Tyree Kill narrative, but the Chiefs coming off of a loss have been very good. Mahomes really doesn't lose. He's won eight straight games coming off of a loss. And you said that the only two Dolphins losses are to the Bills and Eagles, but that's really the only two good teams they've played so far. And the two losses they've lost by an average of 21 points. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs. I think they bounce back from a loss and win a big one. All right, moving on here then to Vikings at Falcons. Um, I'm not sure if Dobbs gets a start. I would assume no. But um, so at, at that point, it will be Jaron Hall then probably for just this game. Jaron Hall is a little bit of swagger to him, it seems like. We, ha- we haven't really gotten to see what he's going to be as far as Vikings backup, assuming they're going to be starting Dobbs from here on out after this game. Uh, but we don't know. He does have that little bit of swagger to him. The Falcons lose Grady Jarrett to injury last week. That is bad for them. He was a key part of this defense and why this defense has been so good all season long so far. Um, but overall, I think this would just be an insane win if the Vikings somehow steal this game in Atlanta. Coming off your quarterback, ending his season last week, you trade for a new quarterback. You're going to let your backup go. Your backup knows that he's probably playing his last or he's starting his last game of the season unless, God forbid, Dobbs gets hurt as well. Uh, but I just don't see a way the Vikings win this game. I got the Falcons. Yeah, Vikings are going to be missing too many pieces, mainly their two best offensive pieces and Kirk Cousins, who's been really good this year, despite the the uh, the unfortunate 4-4 four and four record that could be disappointing to some. And Justin Jefferson, obviously. So this is, I believe, week four of him being on the IR. So next week he's eligible to return, but we don't know where he's at in terms of recovery. I think they're going to reevaluate him after this game this week. Uh, I don't see Jordan Addison having the chemistry with whatever back of a quarterback the the Vikings are rolling out with. I think Atlanta is without Kirk and Jefferson. I think the Atlanta Falcons have a better team as a whole. So I have Atlanta in this one. I think it's going to be it's not going to be a blowout, but I don't like you said, Josh. I think it's going to be a very surprising win if Minnesota does come into Atlanta and pull pull one out. Yeah, and the Vikings they really have no run game. Um, we're going to have an unproven quarterback if uh, Jaron Paul starts. If Josh Dobbs starts, they do, do have a chance to have a guy who at least has a lot of reps in, especially this year. Uh, they traded Ezra Cleveland like we touched on. It was a contract year. They probably just didn't want to have to pay him next year. Uh, they did sign Dalton Reisner, so he'll step in. Um, their defense has played all right, so that could give the Falcons some trouble. I don't know who's going to start at the Falcons for quarterback. I don't know if it'll be Ritter or Heineke. That'll be interesting to see. But we've mentioned how good the Falcons are at home, and they almost kind of have to start Ritter because he's just one of the greatest home quarterbacks in history. So I think the Falcons are going to be hungry to bounce back from a win, and uh, the Vikings are going to they had a demoralizing loss last week, even though they did win with the Kirk injury. So I think the Falcons are going to be hungry and get the win. All right, moving on to another game where we don't know who's going to be the quarterback really on either side. Uh, Cardinals at Browns. Uh, it may be Kyler. It may be Clay Toon, It may be PJ Walker. It may be Deshaun Watson. We don't fully know right now. If I had to make a guess, I'd say it's Clay Toon versus PJ Walker. Um, it looks like Deshaun Watson's going to rest one more game leading up to this bye week or sorry, leading up to the game against the Ravens uh, next week. The Browns' defense, I think, though, should be good enough to win this game um, with Clay Toon at quarterback for the Cardinals. Um, Overall, I just think that the Cardinals are on the trajectory they've been in. We know what the Browns are. We know they're going to beat you up defensively. P.J. Walker, just he's just going to keep getting better with reps in this offense uh, as he waits for Deshaun Watson's return 
uh, which people are, I know I saw people being like, PJ Walker's been just as good. I get that. You have to play Deshaun. Regardless, you have to play Deshaun with all the money you're paying him. Uh, but as far as this game goes, the Browns have to win this game uh, just to keep pace with the NFC North. It's been such a good division this year. And their next two are Ravens and Steelers. Uh, so you can't drop a game you shouldn't drop against the Cardinals. I got the Browns. They should win this game. Yeah, I've got Cleveland as well, regardless of who starts for Arizona. I do think it might be Kyler because I don't think they trade Dobbs if they don't plan on activating Kyler off of IR. Because this is the third week of that 21-day window that they can activate. They weren't him playing the Dobbs either way, though, they said, right? Didn't they say they were mm-hmm. benching him for Toon? They were benching him, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that, but that's kind of crazy. But still, I don't think you make that move if Kyler is not ready to go or at least be able to play in that backup role at the very least. But regardless, Cleveland's defense is way too good. Uh, Paris Johnson, is he playing tackle or is he playing guard right now? I honestly don't know. I bet I would assume he's been moving around a bit. Right. But, I mean, if he's at tackle, he's going to have a tough test with either Zadarius Smith or Miles Garrett. It's going to be kind of trial by fire with him as a rookie, even though he will be making his ninth appearance, which is crazy to say for rookies because we are halfway through the year, which honestly sucks because I like football or at least the the games where the Bears don't play. But I have Cleveland in this one. I think the roster's better top to bottom, regardless of who's starting, PJ or Deshaun. And I think Miles Garrett's probably just going to go absolutely nuclear again this week because that's just who he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's expected that Claytoon starts this week. I think they just want to guarantee one more loss before they get quarterback in there that can win them games. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Toon has the ability to really keep up with the how all right they've been in the first half. They've been a first-half team, but they have to go against this Browns defense, which is one of the best in the league. And they're coming off a disappointing loss in the game that they could have closed out. The game is in Cleveland. I don't see really many answers for Miles Garrett. I think it doesn't matter if Deshaun plays or not. Uh, P.J. Walker should have be able to do enough to get it done. And the Browns should be able to take care of this one pretty easily and pull away in the second half like teams do against the Cardinals. So I got the Browns. All right, moving on then. Rams at Packers. Uh, that guy right behind me is one of the toughest motherfuckers on the planet, and it looks like he's going to play through a UCL injury uh, in his thumb or something like that. I don't know exactly what the injury is, but um, it looks like he is going to play. Um, if no, if Stafford doesn't play, uh, the Packers have to win this game in Lambeau. They're 1-2 and two in Lambeau to start the season. Starting 1-3 and three would just be bad. You don't want to lose the fans who have been spoiled over the past, the greater part of the last 30 years. So you don't want to piss them off too much. Like we said, Packers traded Douglas uh, to the Bills, but that's about it. They could have uh, traded off some guys and fully sold and fully cleaned house. They did not do that. Uh, so I think that was notable at the deadline. This Packers defense has to play perfect uh, pretty much all season, it seems like. Their offense is super young. They have not been playing super well. We haven't seen a lot of great things from Jordan Love outside of week one so far. And this Rams offense is pretty solid. So I don't think they're going to be able to play perfect. Uh, I think this could be the beginning of the end for Green Bay, losing another home game. And I'm going to take the Rams again this week. I think you can go either way on this game. Uh, We've seen enough of Jordan Love that we know what he is when he is facing pressure up front. And with Aaron Donald on the Rams D-line, you're going to get pressure in your face like 90% of the time. That's just how good he is. But on the other side, if Stafford does play, if he doesn't play, if he doesn't play, I don't see them having enough firepower from the quarterback spot to really score against a 
somewhat solid Packers defense. And even if Stafford does play, he's not going to be at 100%. I think that'll really hinder the Rams offense. I think the Packers defense is going to force a couple turnovers, put them in really solid position. As much as I hate to say it, I think Green Bay wins this one. That's an NFC championship rematch from a couple years ago. Uh, The big storyline is if Matt Stafford plays or not. Uh, If he plays, I think the Rams should win this game. I don't really know who their backup is now, but I don't think they have Stetson Bennett. So that'll be interesting. Is it an NFC championship rematch? Was that the championship or the? Is that just a divisional round? I thought the Niners played the Packers and then they beat the Rams beat the Niners in the in the NFC Championship. If I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong. Then it could be a it could be a divisional game. And I oh, thought it was it a championship. Been, it might have been. I know that I know for sure the Rams played the Niners. I know they played the Packers. I'm pretty sure. Did they? Damn, I don't remember. Did they? Actually, I don't know. No. Now you got, I don't think they did. Because yeah, cause I think you're was, right. That was the Lafleur eight point field goal game. Against the Rams. That's no game. Yeah. Yeah. And the Niners went on to play the Rams and the Rams the one time McFabian. Yeah, because the Rams beat the 40 or the Bucks. Yes, yes. The Rams right. Yes, yeah, so I was wrong. Yeah. Rob Havenstein is day to day with the Rams. So that could be big going up against Rashawn Gary, who just recently got his extension. Uh, he's hungry to keep going. The Packers are going to have to find a way to guard Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, who were shut down last week. Uh, the Packers, were, they struggled with Addison last week, so they're going to have to find a way to stop one receiver. And if Stafford plays, they're going to have to stop two. The Packers, they haven't been able to find their run game. I'm going to go with the Rams. I think Matt Stafford's going to play. Um, and if he does, they should be able to have a explosive offense that can at least put up some points on the Packers. And I don't trust Jordan Love to put up points even against this struggling Rams defense. Regarding the backup quarterback situation, the Rams, actually 23 hours ago, were expected to sign former backup quarterback John Wolford and then the other, the only other quarterback on the roster because Stetson Bennett is away from the team is the guy who finished the game last Sunday, Brett Ripon. So that's yeah, what we're looking at uh, if Wolford Stafford is guy, not good to go. That was the guy they benched off for, wasn't it, in the playoffs? I think so, but that was John because Wolford, of the injury yeah. against – yeah, that was because of the the he had a thumb injury. I think there there was some uh there was some stuff that came out of that that maybe it wasn't just the injury, but <laughs> that's a little speculation. I gotta defend my guy, but um that really worked out for them. But um anyways, they're moving on. Commanders at Pats. Um we we all we all talked right on that last one. Yeah, we did. Okay, cool. Commanders at Pats. Uh, the Commanders are just a pretty bipolar team, as we've said. They're up and down. Some weeks they look like they could compete with the best teams, and they have. And then other weeks they've gotten blown out at home in primetime against the Bears. So this week they go into Foxborough against a Bill Belichick team that has also been super up and down. They have gone and beaten the Buffalo Bills, and they've also lost by, what was it, 36 or 33 or something to the Saints at home. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. So they two up and down teams completely. Uh, although I think the commanders are super talented, you got to take into the, uh, or I guess maybe not as talented now after the deadline, but you make all those trades at the deadline. You kind of mess up the team chemistry. You don't really know what they're thinking in that locker room. You go into Foxborough playing against Bill Belichick. This seems like a game that Bill wins. I'm taking the pass. Ooh, that's, I did not expect that. I'm going to be honest. I'm actually going with Washington. Uh, I think that the locker room is going to respond in a positive way. I think that they're gonna they're gonna see these moves at the deadline and they're gonna be like, all right, hold on, we don't think we're sellers. If we win a couple games and get something going, we're back at five hundred. Maybe we can sneak into the wild card. And the way that Sam Howell played last week against Philly, 
I think we can do some damage. So I'm going with Washington, despite the losses of Chase Young and Montez Sweat. I think the interior defense, the interior of their defensive line with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, I think they're going to cause enough disruption up front. And uh, Sam Howell's not going to face a lot of pressure this game, despite the horrid offensive line in front of him. There's no Judon. There's no Christian Gonzalez, as we've known for a while. I think Washington is just a better team up and down. And even though it is in New England, I got Washington. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be pretty close. The commanders traded away half their D-line, and they're starting to leave their offense out to dry. Uh, with everything they did this week, I think it's pretty clear that Ron Rivera will be out the door after this season. So it's interesting to see what they do with Eric Bieniemy. The commanders, they have a lot. They're going to have a busy offseason, it seems. They have $90 million in cap space. They have a first, two seconds, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh. Did you go sound so, some off-ball linebackers? Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that they're already kind of starting to look forward to the offseason. I think um, trading away a lot of your guys. We saw Cam Curl on Twitter. Just couldn't believe it. I don't think this defense is going to respond that great just because we haven't really seen that from some Ron Rivera teams recently, which isn't what we expect. And Belichick is always pretty solid against young quarterbacks, especially rookies. I know Howell isn't a rookie, but this is essentially kind of a rookie season. He only had one start in his real rookie season. So I'm also going to go with the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick can find a way to win games. They've looked better recently. So I think the Patriots at home win this one. All right. Speaking of the Bears and the Saints, uh, randomly upsetting those two teams. Um, Bears at Saints. This will once once again be Badgett for the Bears against the Saints defense that has played really well. Uh, last week, uh was the Saints' last game in ja- or the Jacksonville game? Was that? No, that was two weeks ago. The Saints played um, Indy. Oh, Saints played Indy, right? Indy, right? Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Okay, yeah. So Carr last week he had his flashes, he had his bad moments as he tends to. Uh, but we all know what that cold secondary was last week, pretty beat up. I don't know how much stake you can take in that. Um, and New Orleans is a tough place to play. It's been tough to play in that dome for a long time. Regardless of what the team is, there just are some places that are tough to play in. Foxborough, uh, which we just talked about, is an example of that. Um, this Bears defense is starting to come back to earth. They're going to need to see the Bears defense from weeks five to seven uh, in order to win this game against the Saints, which is possible uh, because we know what uh, this Derek Carr offense can be at times in New Orleans. Uh, the Bears get Montez Sweat, like we said. I assume, I mean, maybe he'll play. I don't know. We don't really know with any of these guys. We're recording this right after the deadline. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Jalen Johnson, I, I, is he going to play? I would assume he does. I mean, not going to be happy about it, but I bet he does. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I guess maybe he plays. If he doesn't, it's kind of a different story this week. Um, it's kind of just going to be the test. Does Tyson Badgett go back to being a backup quarterback that doesn't look good? Or is he still frisky like he was a couple weeks ago? I don't know. Regardless, I'm going to take the more calm and settled situation in New Orleans and take the Saints. Yeah, I got the Saints as well. Like you mentioned, the Superdome, incredibly tough place to play, no matter what the talent of the Saints team is when you're there. The Bears, they got a rookie quarterback against a really good front seven. Cam Jordan's going to be going against a basically one-armed Darnell Wright on that right side for most of the game. So I I would love to say that Wright's going to handle handle it and hold his own, but who knows? Because he's a rookie. Rookies have have their lumps. It happens. 
But the Bears defensively, I just I don't like how they match up against the Saints. The Saints we talked about Rashid uh, Shahid a lot. He can take the top off of defense, and if Eddie Jackson is not playing or just doesn't get snaps, even though it's weak, and Jaquan Brisker, he's in concussion protocol, which is something that was brand new information during uh, Flus's press conference on Monday. So he might not play this week. The Bears just have so many issues going on. But if Sweat does play, I wouldn't expect him to play a lot, maybe on some key third downs and maybe uh, going into the half, like some, I don't know, two-minute drills, just where he doesn't have to do too much, no like crazy stunts or run fits or anything, just going after the quarterback. But I don't expect the Bears to be able to score very much this game. I think Lattimore will be able to, unfortunately, limit DJ Moore and his impact because he's going to get assistance from Luke Getze in limiting DJ Moore's impact. And the fact that it's a rookie quarterback, the Chargers started to take away the short game that Bajent was using against the Raiders, and they're much better defense. So I don't expect the Bears to get a lot of offense going. I got the Saints. Yeah, the Bears defense, if they want to win, they're going to have to show up and shut down the Saints offense, which has struggled. I hope the Bears on the offensive side of the ball get Roshan Johnson more involved. I was expecting that last week, but I think he only got six carries. I think he can be a good back. They just haven't really given him a chance in meaningful moments in games. It'll be interesting to see if Tyson Badger can keep going like you guys touched on. But the Saints, they're coming off their best offensive game of the season with Derek Carr. Uh, it was against the Colts secondary, which was just bad. Derek Carr is surprisingly had three straight games now with 300-plus yards. Maybe he's a yard merchant, but he's played great. And they're going against the 30th-ranked pass defense in the NFL that gives up 262 yards per game. So... The Saints defense, they're, they've played great this year. Top five in yards per game and top ten in scoring. I don't really see this being a good matchup for the Bears at all, so I got the Saints winning. All right, moving on here. Seahawks at Ravens. I think this should be one of the games uh, of the week along with the Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Bengals. Uh, but this is two teams that have been known to play down to their opponents. They don't have to worry about that this week because they're both doing the same thing. Um, I think overall... Uh, like I've said many times about the Seahawks team, if Geno can hold on to the ball, they're the friskiest team in the league. Uh, and I think they can beat anybody. But this Ravens defense has played really, really good this season. They haven't had a ton of takeaways. They're sitting at 14th in takeaways, middle of the league here. Uh, they have to take it, the ball away from Geno Smith. They have to force uh, him to pass the ball, not let Kenneth Walker run all over them. I don't think they will. I think home field advantage is a big play here. If this game is Seattle, maybe I take the Seahawks. Uh, I'm going to lean Ravens here, though, and I think they keep pace with the NFC North. I'm 100% 100 with you. If this game was in Seattle, I might be thinking differently, but I got Baltimore. Despite Seattle adding Leonard Williams, I don't think he's going to play that many snaps if he dresses even. But Baltimore, they've just got a phenomenal run game centered around Lamar Jackson, and he's been phenomenal in the air this year. So I I do think Seattle will be able to will not be able to move the ball as well as they have in previous games. Baltimore's defense is really good, and I think Baltimore's just going to overpower them. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't really see a world where Seattle wins this one. So I got uh, Baltimore. Yeah, even if this game for me was in Seattle, I don't really see them winning. Lamar is seventeen and one against NFC teams, which is just ridiculous. It's the best record. Uh, since the AFL-NFL merger for a single quarterback. In those 18 games, 37 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. And now he has this defense that has looked like one of the best defenses in the league. Last week, the offense didn't play great, and the defense just dominated. The Cardinals couldn't get anything going. This defense is getting up the fewest points per game. Uh, the Seattle offense has been frisky. 
they have great weapons that are just hard to shut down. Good running backs. Geno Smith is going to have to limit the turnovers if they want a chance in this game. He struggled with them recently. And they got the big addition of Leonard Williams to help in the with the D-line that we've touched that we didn't know where the sacks would go come from. He'll help with the run defense. Uh, I think the Ravens win and Lamar continues his dominance over the NFC. All right, moving on here. Bucks at Texans. The Texans were playing so well uh, prior to last week. They laid a stinker coming out of the bye against one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst. Uh, the Bucks defense has been solid, though. I think they can give this Texans O-line troubles. We've talked about how good the red, de- run- wow. red zone defense has been, uh, and their total defense has been great as well. Uh, the Texans' defense, on the other hand, will have to play well. They're going to have to get to Baker early. They have played well for the most part, basically the entire season. Their offense was shaky, uh, to say the least, last game. Uh, I'm pretty back and forth on this one, though, overall. I want to take the Texans because I really, really like the Texans and they're at home. But I think the Bucks might just be too physical of a team. I think they're going to get to C.J. Stroud early, force him to struggle kind of a little bit like he did last week. Maybe he doesn't throw a pick again, but he just tends not to. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay winning this one in Houston. Uh, I personally think Houston's going to – I think they're going to take this one. I think C.J. Stroud and this uh, young uh, Texans team that very well coached, we've talked about it numerous times, this is their first kind of chance to face adversity after losing a game that they probably should have won against the 0-6, now uh, 1-6 Panthers. I think they come back, they bounce back, and they come out with a win. I don't trust Baker Mayfield at all, regardless of the weapons he has. Even on his touchdown throw to Mike Evans last week, it went off the defender's arm or shoulder pad or something and just into Mike Evans' hands. Baker Mayfield just, I cannot trust him, and especially against a good defense coached by D'Amico Ryans, who is just known for being a good defensive coordinator and now a really good coach. I I don't see the Bucs putting up a good... I don't see the Bucs putting up enough points on a well-coached team, so I've got Houston. Yeah, Houston offense really struggled last week. Uh, they struggled as a team as a whole, obviously losing to the winless Panthers. They had 10 penalties for 70 yards. They only had 229 yards, which was their lowest of the season. Uh, each of, Well, the Texans, they have to win here really to try to stay in the divisional race. They're pretty much already out of it with how hot the Panthers have gotten recently. And they have to go up against a Bucks defense that has played very solid so far this year. Vita Vey has been great. Josh touched on it. Their red zone defense has been incredible. Um, I'm going with the Bucks. I just think their defense has been great. Vita Vea, I just said it. He's been a great run defender. The Texans yeah, really week. won't be able to run the ball. Uh, I'm assuming so. Yeah, he was a late. I think he was a late scratch last week. Yeah. So. I would assume he's back this week. If not, that could help the Texans. They really haven't had a run game, but if he's there, it's going to really hurt the run game even more. I got the Bucks winning in a pretty close one. I can see this one going either way, though. This was this was a tough game. All right, moving on here to Colts at Panthers. Like we just said, the Panthers are coming off a huge win last week, uh, opposite of the Colts losing that game to New Orleans. Uh, and they got had a lot of injuries that game, as we know. The Panthers' defense actually played super well last week against the Texans, against the Texans like I just said. Uh, the Panthers' run defense has been sneaky pretty good this season. They're sitting at 12th right now in the NFL in run defense. And as we know, the Colts kind of need to run the ball and get Jonathan Taylor going uh, to run well, to just run well on offense and open it up for Gardner Minshew to do his thing. I think Minshew is going to have to be really, really good in this game to win. Um, how's the injury report looking for the Colts right now, Mike? 
still secondary banged up. Uh, so yeah, secondary banged up. That is what I figured. Um, and I that is just kind of a big worry for me. Uh, a team Gardner Minshew just been up and down. Like I said, with the Panthers' run defense, I think it might be tough for Jonathan Taylor to get going early. I like Bryce Young calming off a win. I'm actually gonna go with the Panthers at home in this one. I I don't know if I agree with you there, buddy. I I think it might be your your right? anti. I think it's your anti Bears body. <laughs> I I think you're rooting for a Panthers W, so it might be clouding your judgment a little bit. Uh, I kind of like the Colts here. I, I think they're going to take this one. Uh, I like their running back duo of Moss and Taylor, especially with Moss is healthy. I think they're going to be really solid and kind of penetrate this Panthers defense a little bit better than teams in the past. Um, I think Gardner Minshew and the rest of the Colts offense is going to be, they're going to be mad that they lost that game against the refs a couple weeks ago. And then they hung with the saints last week and then they just couldn't get it done in the second half. So I think they're going to come out angry. I think they're going to, after losing two straight, Panthers, they're not the greatest team. I do think Bryce Young and Adam Thielen will hook up for like, I don't know, 10 or 11 catches. Pause. But, uh, I think they're going to they're gonna connect for a good amount of passes and yards uh, this game. But, um, ah, lost my train of thought. I think they're going to – Thielen's going to get his staple 2023, just 100 yards, 10 catches probably, maybe a touchdown. But I do like the Colts in this one. Yeah, it's a Frank Reich revenge game coming off the team that fired him last year. Bryce Young gets a golden opportunity here to go up against a secondary that was just terrible last week and will be terrible again this week if Juju Brents doesn't get uh, healthy enough to play. They've given up 38 points per game in their last three games. Uh, but they're on the offensive side of the ball, they've been very good in the run game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had his best game last week. Zach Moss is one of the top five rushers in the NFL in terms of yards right now. And they're going up against the Panthers defense that allows 139 yards per game. So I think that's going to be the big key of the game. If the Panthers can slow down the run, they should be able to win this pretty easily, probably forcing Minshew into a turnover. But if they can't stop the run, I don't really see how they win this game. The Colts overs have been hitting consistently. And I think this definitely is another chance for that. The Colts have scored over 20 in every game this year. I think that'll happen again. I think this will be a sneaky, high-scoring game. Uh, Frank Reich does know this Colts defense. Gus Bradley was our DC last year, so he knows what Gus Bradley likes to do. So both those guys are going to have some knowledge on each other. But I think the Colts, they're going to have a mismatch in the run game. I'm surprised that I'm doing this, but I'm going to pick the Colts to win. I think they're just going to be able to run the ball in a sneaky, high-scoring game. I honestly don't think it's that crazy to take the Panthers in this one. No, not at all. I mean, I got buddied for it, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's that one. I was. I was going with the Panthers until I just felt the run game coming. That's fair. Uh, moving on here, Giants at Raiders. We discussed this one a little bit during Monday Night Football recap, but the Giants' offense has been bad, as we know. They're getting Daniel Jones back this week. Um, he. I mean, the offense was not much better with him in it. Uh, to start the season. The Raiders got absolutely dominated last week. Uh, not on the scoreboard, but if you watch the game, you know they got dominated. Uh, there were a couple missed passes, like I said earlier, away from being in that game for sure, though. Um, overall, I don't have a ton to say about this game. Daniel Jones in his first game back. Max Crosby is going to be giving him hugs all night. Um, I like the Raiders at home here. Yeah, and I completely agree with you, mainly because of Max Crosby. He's going to be terrorizing Burger Flipper uh, Evan Neal the entire time, no matter what side either of them decides to line up on. 
it's going to be the Max Crosby show and everyone else is going to be here to watch. I think Devontae Adams probably gets back involved in the offense regardless of uh, any type of schematic issues that they've been having down there. Uh, yeah, I got I got Vegas and probably a really weird game, but I think Vegas handles this one. Yeah, I think the Giants win this game if they don't turn the ball over, but I think they will. Uh, it's two teams that have bad offenses, so whichever team turns the ball over and gives their offense better field position is going to win. Daniel Jones expected to be back. I think the offense might have been better with Tyrod Taylor in there. Uh, their offensive line is still bad. Uh, the Raiders' offensive line is also pretty bad. I touched on the Raiders being one of the worst turnover teams in the NFL with 30, their 31st in the NFL in turnovers, and they don't force turnovers. Um, they have to get the run game going against the Giants if they want to win this game and with no Leonard Williams I think they have a good chance at that so I have the Raiders as well winning at home I think this game's going to be pretty boring but it might not be boring if there's crazy turnovers. so I got the Raiders all right a game that absolutely should not be boring Cowboys at Eagles probably game of the week uh, the Eagles are at home coming off of that great Jalen Hurts game against the Commanders. First time we got to see him really air it out. I know he's been like limping to the sidelines after every drive. He is definitely beat up, but he has been phenomenal. Uh, just something to, something to worry about, though, long term for the Eagles here. Uh, the Cowboys defense and their offense were buzzing last week against the Rams. We finally got to see their offense look really, really good against a defense that we know isn't good, but... Regardless, you like to see that from the Cowboys offense, just getting the ball to CD and letting him do what he has to do. Uh, the Cowboys really, I'm not going to say they have to win this game, but it would be nice to not go down two games to the Eagles. I think they have to. I think it's a damn near must win for Dallas. If this was in Dallas, I would say it's definitely a must win. That game in Dallas, I think, is definitely a must win. This game is tough for them, I feel like, in Philly. It's going to be a kind of night game. It'll be dark towards the end. You know the Philly fans are going to be there. They're going to be saying egregious things uh, to the Dallas Cowboys fans and players. Definitely going to be some fights at this game for sure. Uh, and like we know, the Eagles are tough at home. I think they're just a better team than the Cowboys overall. I'm going to take Philly in here, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked to see one of you guys take the risk with Dallas. Uh, I'm actually taking Philly. I think if it was in Dallas, it might be different. But Dallas, this is definitely a must-win game. And it's going to be another must-win game when they when the Eagles visit them in Jerry World uh, down in December. It's going to be – they have two chances to overtake the Eagles, If hypothetically, if they both run the table. They have two chances to play the Eagles, and they need to win both of them in order to keep pace in this division and overtake them in this division. If they want any chance in doing that, they got to win. They have to. Unfortunately, I do think the Eagles are just a better roster all around. I think A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith are going to terrorize uh, Gilmore and who and Deron Bland. They haven't faced that much of a challenge this year, but I think this is going to be probably their toughest one yet. The way the Cowboys win this, in my opinion, they take care of the ball and they feed CeeDee Lamb. We've talked about it a couple times already. This Eagles secondary has not been great this year. Their defense in general has not been fantastic. So if the Cowboys want to keep pace with whatever the Eagles offense is throwing against them, they got to feed CeeDee Lamb and let him eat. Unfortunately, I have the Eagles in this one, and it's it's going to be a really good game. Uh, I have the Cowboys. Um, Dak versus Hurts. This is only the second matchup we get between these two QBs, even though they've both been the starters for the last, past three seasons now. 
Uh, Dak seems to always play well when he plays the Eagles. He's in his last three starts, he's three and L with an 11 to one touchdown to interception ratio. They average 44 points per game. Uh, the Cowboys are 30 and L when he posts a pass rating above 114. So that's a big number. This Eagles secondary has looked very rough these last couple of weeks. Their offense is going to have to score if they want them to win. I think they will still, but I don't think they'll be able to outscore the Cowboys. Uh, Hertz is banged up. We touched on that. AJ Brown has been the best receiver in football so far this year. There he's going up against Gilmore and Deron Bland. It's going to be a very fun matchup to watch the Cowboys defense versus the Eagles offense. The Eagles get home field advantage this week, um, but they're going against a defense that is capable of shutting down their offense. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. The Eagles secondary is banged up. I think they won't have a lot to throw at deck. Their D lines hurt. Uh, I just think the Cowboys find a way to win. All right. Moving on here to Sunday night football, Bills at Bengals. Uh, like I said before, I really like this Russell Douglas pickup uh, for the Bills. I think there's a defense that really needed an extra corner in there, and he has been a solid corner in his career. Uh, as far as the Bengals go, Joe Burrow's been really healthy um, over the past couple of weeks. He's really gotten healthy. He looks good. He's moving well in the pocket. Um, he has been just phenomenal the past couple of weeks. We get the Demar Hamlin game that we never got on Monday Night Football. Uh, we did end up getting it eventually, but we now get it in the regular season on Sunday Night Football. Here, I think per usual for the Bills, Josh Allen's going to have to hold on to the football to win this game. The Bills defense has, or sorry, the Bengals defense has played solid. Uh, for a lot of the season, they've had their hiccups as every team does, but they have played uh pretty solid compared to their talent as a whole. Uh, I do see this game being a shootout, though. And in a shootout here, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I also have the Bengals. I think it is also going to be a very high-scoring game. Joe Burrow last week against a very talented 49ers defense was absolutely surgical. I love the way that he was finding all of his receivers on time, on target. He only had four incompletions and three touchdowns. That's insanely hard to do, in case you hadn't noticed. I think he's going to find Jamar Chase early and often in this game. Uh, I don't really think anybody in the Bills secondary can can really contain him, especially without Tredavious White. And even with the pickup of Razul Douglas, it's not going to be enough. Like you said, Josh, if the Bills want to have a chance of winning this game, Josh Allen cannot turn the ball over. He's got to rely on Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, even James Cook out of the backfield to just make the plays for him. He cannot do too much. When he does too much, you'll get results like week one, where they lose a game where they should have won against the Jets. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be enough. I have Cincinnati. Yeah, we finally get this matchup during the regular season. We got in the playoffs, but the Bengals, they've been playing well recently, and the Bills, they haven't really been playing well recently. The Bills are 1-3 and three on the road as well. Josh Allen, six picks, two fumbles in those road games, and they're 9-14 and 14 when he fumbles or turns the ball over two or more times, and they're 48-13 and 13 when he does not. So the key for them is to not turn the ball over. But this Bengals defense has been very good at turning the ball over so far this season. They for forced multiple turnovers in five of the seven games so far this season, which is fifth. They have 13 total, which is fifth in the NFL. Uh, we saw it in the playoffs. This Bengals team is kind of built to beat a team like the Bills. And um, their key to the season was getting Burrow healthy, and he appears to be healthy, and they're playing good ball. Him and Jamar Chase have been dialed in recently. Uh, Bengals were able to beat a team last week that had their number, and now they go up on Sunday Night Football, which in the NBC era, they are 0-9 on NBC Sunday Night Football. 
I believe they win and make that one and nine. So I got the Bengals. All right, moving on to our final game of the night here. Monday night football, Chargers at Jets. Uh, the Chargers, like we said, finally didn't Charger last week. They won a game they were supposed to win against the Bears. Uh, this is a game, though, once again, that the Chargers do lose. I do think the Chargers are a better team overall uh, than this Jets team. Zach Wilson has been playing his butt off, really, the past couple of weeks compared to how he's been. And I think you have to hold him and grade him on a scale of how he was and the situation that he's currently in. Um, the Jets defense needs to enforce their will on this Chargers team and especially on Justin Herbert early. Um, this Jets team is just scrappy, man. I really like them. I feel like they're playing for something. You There's something about you doing everything in the offseason and building a team around one player and him getting hurt on the fourth snap of the season and just having to band together and be like, we have to do what we have to do uh, to not let this be a complete failure of a season. Um, if the Jets do win this game, I think they're in a pretty good spot, sitting at five and three now, competing, especially with the trage- trage- trajectory, excuse me, that the Bills have been on the past few weeks. I'm actually going to take the Jets at home. J E T S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I personally, I agree that you could definitely pick the Jets in this one and have a solid argument. I like what I saw from the Chargers last week, though. They got the short game going really really early against the Bears, whose linebackers can kind of fly if you really watch them play. But they picked them apart early. They took advantage of the soft zone and the man coverage. They got Eckler involved in the screen game a few times. He impressed. He looked like his old self. The Jets defense, they're going to have to get to Herbert in order to really affect this game. And on the other side, the Chargers defense, they're going to have to get to Zach Wilson. I expect to see Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa kind of get in the backfield a lot during passing downs. Uh, I think Brees Hall has potential to really just go off this week, but I do think the Chargers keep rolling. I'm rocking with the Chargers despite my better judgment. I I just can't trust Zach Wilson. I really can't. Yeah, the Chargers recently, they've gotten back on track with the win against the Bears, but they go up against the defense now in the Jets that is way better than the Bears. The Chargers, they should be fighting for a, to be atop the AFC rest right now, but just disappointing, three and four. Uh, Herbert's coming off his best game of the season, possibly. Uh, so he really has to continue his play from last week. But the Jets, they've been playing really good football. They're four and three. They've won three straight games. Their defense has been incredible. And they're going to have to make some plays again to win this game against this Chargers offense. Zach Wilson, they have has to continue to improve. Can't turn the ball over. They have to keep running the ball well with Brees Hall and getting the ball to their number one option in Garrett Wilson. Uh, they have to slow down the pass rush. You touched on it, Zach of Cleo Mack and Joy Bosa if they want to win this game. It's in New York. Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers will probably be in attendance. He's been at the last few. This is another game where I see possibly going both ways, but the Jets, they've looked great in primetime. They've beaten the Bills, and they've really hung in there with the Chiefs. So uh, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to be on the Chargers team and have them Charger again. I don't want them to do that to me, so I'm going to pick the Jets. All right. Well, that about does it for our picks for week nine of the NFL season. We're going to finish it off as we always do uh, with some betting picks here. Uh, I will start us off. I have a few I like overall here. Um, hmm. Let's go with the Las Vegas Raiders minus 2.5 against the Giants. Uh, Like I said, I just like the Raiders in this game as a whole and getting two and a half points is fine at home in my opinion. Uh, Vegas must see this game as a pick them then. 
uh, if it was at a neutral site. Uh, so I'm assuming that's why it's minus 2.5 for the Raiders, which I like even more. And then the Eagles minus three, similar situation here. Um, kind of shocked that the Eagles are only three point favorites in this game overall. Um, I mean, the Cowboys are a great team, of course, but at home, the Eagles only being three point favorites is kind of baffling to me. Um, so I'm gonna go with the Eagles minus three and the Raiders minus 2.5. Uh, I don't know how real this is, but I'm seeing that the Jets are the Jets charger spread is plus nine. Three, no, three. three. Okay, I didn't know how real this was, so I'll just go to my my other one. I I like the Dolphins plus two and a half. I think they're going to win the game. Uh, I just I talked about it earlier. I think the Chiefs their inconsistencies at offense are going to show up again, and they won't be able to keep pace with the really good Dolphins offense. So. Unfortunately, I don't have any other picks because that was my other one. <laughs> I didn't know how real it was, so I'm a little ill-prepared for this one. Yeah, my first one, I touched on it with the Colts preview. I'm picking the Colts-Panthers uh, over 44. I think it could be a sneaky high-scoring game. And uh, Colts have scored 20 in every game, so they almost get that themselves. And I think they'll score more than 20. And then my other one, uh, I guess I'm fading you here, Josh. I got Cowboys money line. I just think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I think they're yeah, they're plus one thirty dogs. So I Dak Prescott kind of owns the Eagles when he plays. So I got the Cowboys money line. All right. Well, that about does it for episode twenty one of the Engage A podcast here. Uh as always, we'll be back recording on Sunday night during Sunday night football to recap all the games that we just discussed. Uh until then, don't forget to like and subscribe, hit the notification bell down below so you find out when we drop any of our videos. Follow all of our socials on the screen and in the description, as well as Jackson's as well. Uh, Until next time, we'll see everybody know.